Show number 56 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Show 56. I'm exhausted. I am too. I feel like I've just done 56 shows. (laughs) We just watched... 56 Um, episodes. Oh my god. We watched five episodes of Boston Legal back to back and I think we've just decided... Back to back to back to back to back. (laughs) And I think we've decided that watching five episodes of Boston Legal makes us too tired to actually talk about it. So that's the review. Okay, next topic. (laughs) (laughs) Part of it is that we fast forward through, what, 80% of it at least? pretty much. And so... We're always at this 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 high pitch of of emotional intensity yes. of watching Bill, mm-hmm. you know, because who really cares what the peeping Tom did? It's true. I you know I I think we have to say that um, however finely the writers craft the show to have you know <laughs> ups and downs and 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 different That's things. It. We're not seeing any of the downs. We're not. We're totally not. All we're seeing are the exciting and Bill relevant parts. Uh, so writers, we're sorry. <laughs> but you're, not very. You're probably doing a great job making that show. You know, you've got those little three by five cards tacked up on the bulletin board <laughs> to show how the flow of the show should go with those dramatic things that happen right before the commercial break. Totally lost. Yep. Not paying attention. We're watching the all bill version. <laughs> all right. So why don't we talk about them anyway? Um, okay. And try not to get too lost. So we, really, five episodes. One, two, three, four. But five. at least two of them. We're so much of that that case mm-hmm. that uh, the salmon sideburns was was trying mm-hmm. with the the teenager who who killed the judge's wife who was his lover, mm-hmm. and who cares? Not us, certainly. not us, certainly. Right. So the first one we watched had almost no bill. It was probably two thirty second clips, but they were good. And I actually did take notes, although my notes on one tend to be um, other plot, other plot, other plot, and other plot. (laughs) (laughs) The stuff that we weren't paying attention to. Uh, So the thing, so one thing I wanted to say before we actually got started was they are really going, working overtime, casting ex-Star Trek actors on the show. Do you think it's though that (sighs) Star Trek was such a great training ground for great actors? They're all still working. They're all still busy, yeah. and they're building up to. They're going to break down Nimoy's defenses they probably and will. get him on. I, I think what happens is when they have a casting call for a particular part, they look at the people who respond, and if one of them happened to appear on Star Trek previously, that's the person that they pick. If yeah. they're a good actor, you know, yeah. I mean, they're not going to yeah. pick shitty actors just because they were on Trek. But it, it really is getting a little ridiculous with that last episode that we just saw, which featured Michelle Forbes, who mm-hmm. was Ensign Rowe back on TNG. I mean, Yep. They're just, every opportunity, they're taking it. They are. Uh, so in the very first one that we watched, going all the way back to five weeks ago or something, um, the only scenes that featured Bill were in conversation with Alan. Um, and it was because Alan was um, still fucking Sally, who came back with a different hair color. Mm-hmm. And he was upset because she was leaving right after they had sex. And that made him sad. Yeah. And Bill was... Um, as Denny was sort of trying to listen to him and offer um, sort of irrelevant advice <laughs> well, in also Denny going, way. <laughs> don't we want them to leave afterwards? I mean, we're guys. That's right. <laughs> and Alan's saying, she leaves right afterwards. And, and Denny's saying, but that would make you the girl. <laughs> <laughs> 
which was really good. And then there was a scene at the end with Bethany who came in to talk with Denny and um, Bill, uh, Denny saying, you know, you can say anything you want to in front of him and, and um, how they're, they're sort of married and that Alan says to him, I'm already involved with you. I don't want to be involved with another woman. <laughs> so that was good. The, so there wasn't really much to talk about. I mean, there wasn't a lot of plot moving along with no. those two characters. The one thing that we loved in that was that Jane Lynch was in it. Yes, and she's phenomenal. She is just so good. And, and um, if you are not appreciating Jane Jane Lynch, um, you need to start doing this. Yeah. And you need to, to rent all the Christopher Guest movies. That's Although right. she's only in the last three, right? I think that's right. The first one she was in was Mighty Wind. No, she was in Best in Show. Oh, right, Best yeah. in Show. Yeah, Sorry, so she Best, was in in Best in Show. And Mighty Wind and... For, for your, your consideration. consideration. Which she steals. She is so wonderful. We went to see that a week ago, and it is such a good movie. Mm-hmm. It really is. And everybody who's in it is great. And she is not in it very much at all, but, but her she parts are it. unbelievable. When Every time she shows up, you just start laughing the minute the camera gets on it. She plays the, the host with Fred Willard of an Entertainment Tonight type show. And it was so funny because they present that in the context of the show that they're on. And as you're watching it, uh, people in the audience were just laughing and laughing and laughing. And she wasn't even saying anything. No, it's the way she's sitting and standing. Oh, it was hilarious. She's just great. And just she's very- an incredible piece of characterization through physicality. Yeah. It was just amazing. So she's in this episode for a little bit, and she's very good in the little mm-hmm. parts that she had. So we were really happy to see her. And I think that's the last one that she was in. Yes. But who knows? So far. She'll so probably far. come back. Okay. So that's that one. Number two. Um, featured again Jerry Espenson, mm-hmm. and we. Um, I found out while I was looking up the the actor Christian Clemenson who plays Jerry Espenson that he and um, uh, Spader are childhood friends, that they grew up together and have remained friends, and partly I guess that explains why he's been on the show. I, he's a very good actor, he but is. it's really interesting to see that that they are friends and that they bring a little bit of that to the show, and I think they they played on that a little bit um, with the storylines here because. Uh, Denny gets really jealous of the fact that they've been together so mm-hmm. much and working together. And and I think it's interesting that, from what we've heard, that Spader and Shatner have gotten to be friends through the show, yet he's working with an actor that he's been friends with for a long time. So it's it's just a weird juxtaposition of real life. I like the way they've played on it. And I was thinking that, too, as... Yeah. as uh, as that plot line was was developing about um, Denny becoming jealous of the time Alan was mm-hmm. spending with Jerry, yeah. it was also really nice to see the development of the character of Jerry in the case that he was trying, and Alan was coaching him, saying, "You know, you, now you have to do this." And to watch Jerry pull it together mm-hmm. in court and be the the problem solver of the case, not just good uh, doing the cross examination and everything, but actually being the one who came up with the the little twist mm-hmm. that won the case it was it was very satisfying because um that's a character I have grown to care yeah, about, yeah, yeah, he's good, and he as an actor he he took it from being. Uh, um, a one-note joke, essentially, mm-hmm. into this really interesting, deep, and many-faceted character that we continue to see, even up to that last episode that we just watched, where yes. we find out something totally new about him that we yes. didn't know, which was really good. But that's also, that's one of the things that I'm seeing Boston Legal is really excelling at, is taking these, as you say, one-note characters and giving them their humanity. Yeah. And there is a, a scene where the, the peeping Tom Lincoln, mm-hmm. you know, who, whose storyline went on and on for several episodes after the trial was all wrapped up. And he really, to me, during the trial and during that whole thing, was really kind of an annoying character. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, God, get rid of him. And then 
he had this this very short scene with uh, Sam and Sideburns, and you actually got to see the human being inside mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. And that I like that that the writers and the producers are doing things like that, and that they're getting the actors who mm-hmm. can play that and who can still snap back and be this. You know this kind of weirdo, but now we have mm-hmm. this this added depth. I agree. I think it's almost as if they've set challenges for themselves. Mm-hmm. Whereas they're coming up with these strange, you know, very much not ordinary people, they then step back and go, "Okay, how could we take that character and turn it into somebody we'd like to spend more time with?" Mm-hmm. And I think they've or done that. We at least have some sympathy. Yeah, yeah. That we, for. you know, that's not just annoying or that's not mm-hmm. just a joke. And and yeah, they've done that with a number of characters. It's interesting. Well, that, and we've seen them do that, of course, all the way through with Denny. Yeah, yeah. Whose character in in many mm-hmm. ways has gone in a lot of directions, mm-hmm. but there's always this this comic heart to it and this serious heart to it. Yeah. I think they've done a much better job with characters who started out as um, caricatures mm-hmm. and really turned them into deep characters than they have with sort of the ordinary people who work there. And I think we've both been complaining about that, the woman who was Alan's assistant, that... They could never do anything with her. She wasn't interesting. There was nothing interesting about her. Even the thing that was supposed to be the interesting part of her, which was her getting into credit card debt, was not interesting at all. Well, and the other thing is, like you're saying, the ordinary people that they they try to make interesting, I feel like they're forcing them on us. I feel that way about um, Sam and Sideburns. And the interesting thing to me is that the only way they can make him more interesting or, or more dimensional is to set him up in opposition to Brad or yeah. to, to yeah, somebody yeah. that there has to be that sort of hook. There was where really, when you look at Jerry, he has, he has grown as a character of his own. Certainly mm-hmm. Alan has been instrumental, but it's, it's not the same thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like a, a false depth or yeah. interest that they've added to him. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think that they, They've done some of that with Brad's character, and I wish that they would do more. Mm-hmm. You know, when we got to see him running for office, that yes. was wonderful. It yes. was so good, and it really played on the things that we actually knew about him as a character. So it wasn't like they just suddenly gave him a character, a personality transplant. Mm-hmm. It worked very well with what we'd seen of him so far, and then we got to see into him a little bit more. Right. And and they've continued it a little bit, but they, I think they could do a lot more with him. Well, the other character they could do a lot more with is Paul, who mm-hmm. had, is almost nothing now this season. And, and when you think about it, the, the time they did try to, to add more, or it wasn't add more to Paul, it was give the actor more to do. They yeah. did this storyline about the drug-addicted daughter, mm-hmm. but that really did not develop Paul. Yeah. It just gave him more screen time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, maybe they're, they're kind of getting around to it with, with some of the regulars. And um, I, I, I'm hoping that they're going to continue to do more with Shirley because the things yes. that they've done so far have been great. And it's, and even yeah. Denise is starting to blossom yeah, as yeah. a character. Yeah, yeah. I thought she was much better in these last three, I think, mm-hmm. that we watched. Um, so just to wrap this one up, there was a plot part to it that's relevant. We're not going to talk about any of the legal stuff because it wasn't interesting at all. <laughs> but... Um, so Denny is still um, dating Bethany, and we got to see a little scene of them smooching in his office, which was great. Very short, but very yeah. cute. Um, and then we, she wants him to meet her mother, who turns out to be um, Delta Burke, mm-hmm. who still looks great. And it turns out that they had an affair 35 years ago. They were engaged. They were engaged. And um, um, Delta Burke, whose, name, whose character's name is Bella, says that she thinks Denny is Bethany's father. So that was the big plot complication there. 
So at the end of that episode, that is left unresolved. And, of course, Bethany's very upset, and uh, it's very clear, I think, from the beginning that, that Bella is still interested in Denny. So that they built that up. Um, at the very end of it, there was a Halloween party where um, Denny and Alan and, I'm sorry, what's her name, the other lawyer? I don't know, Bitchy. Bitchy. I like her better now, though. She's better in those last two. Yeah, but again, I kind of just don't even get the point of her. They dated another brown-haired actress. Oh, okay. That's why she's Thank there. You. Um, I can't remember her name. But anyway. Claire. Claire, thank you. Uh, they all are, I thought they were dressed as the Ronettes, but then it turned out they were the Lennon sisters. Right. Um, with giant bouffant wigs and really weird dresses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Standing around drinking yep. giant martini glasses and talking about life <laughs> at the Halloween party. But then there was a balcony scene of Alan and Denny still in their outfits talking about would they be different if they were women mm-hmm. and, and, and Denny, of course, said, well, I'd be a lesbian and <laughs> I'd have my own breasts to fondle, which I guess he thought was really good. But the funny thing is I remember when I was watching it um, the first time through thinking, um, James Spader has good legs. <laughs> And then Spader did some sort of interview I saw where he was saying, oh, we just, you know, filmed a a scene where I wore a dress and I looked in the mirror and I thought, I'm very pretty. (laughs) He did have very good makeup, I have to say. He did. But I can't help sort of flashing on that scene from Gypsy when Louise looks in the mirror and goes, I'm a pretty girl, Mama. (laughs) And I'm just sort of thinking James Spader in that outfit and the whole thing was was bizarre. It was. It totally was. Um, and and Bill was sitting uncharacteristically <laughs> in this dress with right. his legs spread way apart. And you were noticing he never actually sits like that when he's be- when he's Denny. And he in a certainly suit. never sat like that when he was in the command chair. No, oh. ever, ever, ever. He always had his legs crossed. Actually, rather demurely. Yes, he did. So that was weird. Um, and then after that episode, we watched an interview with Bill on Craig Kilborn. Uh, right, right. Oh, man. And that was so it was funny. was very funny. He was wearing another artist's smock mm-hmm. um, for unknown reasons. Uh, that still had the creases It still it. had the creases from where he had unfolded it from the little package that it came in. He was not like one of those off-the-rack the ones, mm-hmm. like on a hanger. It wasn't a hanger shirt. It was shirt. a folded it shirt. It was a folded shirt. And he told, um, he did his shilling. He got it right out of the way up front. He mm-hmm. shilled for the new Star Trek video game that's called Legacy. And it was a very funny moment when Craig Ferguson <laughs> asked him, Is Oh, it, do you play it on the Xbox or the other one? And Bill just, all I could think was, That's his um, Can You Juggle right. moment where <laughs> nothing stops Bill Shatner. And then suddenly, there. There you go. And he went, What? <laughs> it was really funny. And then he saved it by going, It's both! <laughs> Which it may or may not be. Who knows? Who knows? So he shilled for that. He shilled for Boston Legal. His new book. He shilled for his new book, which is the last in that trilogy. I suppose I should read it because I did read the other two. You did? Yeah, I read oh, them. Okay. Good. Then I have a question for you after you read it. So if I can remember any of the things that happened, I read them like a year ago. Okay, I'll tell you in advance what my question is yeah? so that you can be thinking about it as you read this. Yeah. Shatner has said in a couple of interviews that in these, these later books that. Um, He's more um, exploring himself in his own life than Captain Kirk, or that it has become more and more like that. And I keep wanting to talk to someone who's read those books, because mm-hmm. the ones I tried to read I didn't enjoy and I quit. If they felt they'd gained any insight into him. So you get to think about hmm, that. That's a good question. Um, what I don't like about those books is there's far too much of Picard in them. Oh, well. Far too much. And and I, I, I wish we saw more of Kirk and less of Picard, and... Uh, there are some. Well, I think that depends on, on how much time um, 
Gar and Judith are able to get out of Bill. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I, I think there's parts where he's attempted to inject some stuff. I'll have to maybe reread like the last bit of the last one before I read the new okay. one. I think it's called Captain's Glory. The one before it was called Captain's Blood, and I don't remember. It was Captain's Chair. Or, <laughs> I don't know. Something. something. <laughs> Captain's Choice. Captain's Toupee. Captain's Toupee. <laughs> Captain's Ale. I don't remember been a long time and he shilled for something else oh his game show right right so um, he was out there shilling <laughs> so he's telling his story about deep frying turkey and, <laughs> and doing the stupid things that you're never ever supposed to do that he's warned people against doing right which and, he did and he did them and and was very cowardly about the whole thing and, in front of his grandchildren yeah then he said um and showing he said and showing tremendous cowardice in front of my grandchildren which i'm not supposed to do i'm captain kirk <laughs> I am Captain Kirk. Yes. Because he is. It was great. And then were flames rolling across his lawn. Yeah. <laughs> the turkey. Oh, my God. But oh. so then, after the commercial break, he talked about, okay, he's had the turkey thing. Then he had an accident with his motorcycle. Still riding a motorcycle. Yes. Still. Still. On his Harley, cruising around Simi Valley. Mm-hmm. And um, just, he said he... he the, the bike threw him. Yes, it <laughs> coughed him it up. Coughed him up, and he left a lot of skin on the on the pavement. And then um, he he didn't know what the the, the next bad thing was going to be. And, and Craig Kilborn, is that his name? Yes. Kilborn brought up um, the kidney stone. The kidney stone. <laughs> And it's a, that's like a story that I'm getting sick of pretty quick, but man, he they made impression it, new. They turned it into something else entirely. It was very funny because uh, Bill was explaining what a kidney stone is. Uh-huh. It has claws on it. And it has sharp <laughs> little claws in it. It travels through the urethra, urethra yeah. and, which they kept calling urethra, I like know. it was a name. And Craig Kilborn said he had a very short one. And this just set Bill off into that you, you need to stretch it and slap it around. And he was laughing really hard. He was. It was he funny. was enjoying himself. That was very, very funny. And then as soon as he got done goofing around, the two of them were just cracking jokes and puns. And they both took a deep breath. And Craig Kilborn said, we're out of time. Yeah. <laughs> so that was it. They never got to talk about anything else. That was it. But it was very fun. It was a very funny interview. And the funny thing is Craig Kilborn... I've only seen a few other times, but it seemed to me this time he was hopped up. He was. I mean, he was like crazy. And Bill's crazy anyway that way, you mm-hmm. know. So you get him with somebody like that, and they're both like, oh. They're feeding off of each other. But Craig Kilborn said something really funny that, that just cracked me up because Bill was complaining, saying, you don't spend time with your family on a holiday? And, and Kilborn says, well, Thanksgiving's not really a big holiday in Scotland, you know. <laughs> but I like what he said about, well, that's it. So Bill was like, oh, you know, they're saying all those people, they left Scotland and England to go to America. That's why it's not a big holiday. And Kilborn was saying, yeah, it was because the religious practices in England and Scotland weren't strict enough, so they had to go to America where they could have much stricter religious practices. Which is very true. true. It was really, really funny. That was great. So that was good. Um, I suppose the reason he was on there was mostly to show for the the game show. The right? game show yeah. was um, either had just or was about to premiere. Right. Oh, and 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 Kilborn was saying something like, "I'd like to get close to those dancers that you have." And Bill said, "I can't even get close to the dancers." And we were going, "You're so lying." And that, that's <laughs> such a lie. And then we were um, noticing in the little clip they showed that the the dancers seem most of them, from mm-hmm. what we could see, to have fake tits. Mm-hmm. And we decided Bill probably doesn't like fake tits. I, I don't think he does. I really don't think he does. I think. In general, I think men 
of a, of a certain age, and I don't mean Bill's age, I mean much younger and up, generally don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, they may go, wow, you know, when they see them. Mm-hmm. But I think the first time they touch one, if they've ever touched a real breast, they're creeped out. Yeah, I think that's but true. But then my husband knows some younger guys who apparently have almost no experience of real ones, mm-hmm. and they're that that's it. That's what they love is these, these big, hard plastic things, you know. That's so scary. Yeah, that's pretty creepy. Yeah, very weird. Well, well, maybe we'll get to ask him that one day. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number three. One of the main plot points was that we found out that Denny is not Bethany's father. Right. They were playing Jeopardy music while they were waiting to <laughs> get the results from the doctor, so that was good. That was another 10 was, cents uh, Merv Griffin got. That was really good. Um, there was a, a case that, uh, Alan was helping Jerry with starring, uh, Laura Layton, who used to be Sydney on Melrose Place. And, um, she was crazy on that show and she was crazy here too. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to see she's continuing the tradition of playing crazy women. Um, let's see. I'm trying to read my notes here. Well, Bethany told, uh, Denny that she didn't want to see him anymore right. because he had slept with her mother. Right. And so then Bella now is, mm-hmm. is moving in on Denny mm-hmm. and we get this little history that the first time she went after him, he didn't want to, uh, right. to date her. And so she tackled him. Right. And gave him six stitches. Yes. <laughs> of course, when they broke up, she gave him 12, 12. stitches. 12, so yes. there you go. Um, there was, uh. Also, the subplot of Denny representing um, Lincoln in the defamation right, case. Right, he right. was trying to sue um, Sam and, Sam and Cyburns uh, for defamation of character in the previous case. And that that didn't really go anywhere. That seemed much more just a setup to get Lincoln angry enough to kidnap Shirley, which happens in the next episode, I think. Well, it, it kind of snowballs. I mean, mm-hmm. um, he, he, uh, he sued, mm-hmm. what's his name, Jeffrey. For defamation, and the and the judge said, "Well, you know, the things a lawyer does in court are are protected, and also one of the defenses against defamation is that it's true." Right, and he right. pretty much says in court, "You are not." So uh, Lincoln kills the judge mm-hmm. later. Oh, that's right, I forgot that. See, right, there's a plot point right there, and uh, and then uh, that case gets thrown out because there's there's no evidence against mm-hmm. him, although we know he did it. And Gracie Jane is on the air going, he's a nut, he's a nut, and he's a killer and everything. So he whacks her, but she doesn't die. Mm-hmm. And then, for some reason, he kidnaps Shirley. Yeah. So that, that happened in the... Th- in two, three, or four episodes. Four. I think it happened in four. Yeah. Um, there was one really funny thing. So, of course, um, just so that you know, if you haven't been watching it, Boston Legal... continues the tradition of speaking directly to the audience. There was a very funny scene where Bethany came into Denny's office to tell him she didn't want to see him, and he was trying to talk her out of it in a very nice way, and Alan's sitting there, and so he's talking to her, but looking over her shoulder at Alan, and and we cut to Alan, he's holding these enormous cue cards that have um, Denny's whole speech written on it. And they look exactly like the real cue cards, so I'm assuming they were, in fact, yes. the real cue cards. And they had another real small, like, breaking the fourth wall, I think, in that episode that which I really means? enjoyed, which is when Denny's murder case went away. He oh, said, right, right, yeah. Can I be in your murder case? What time is it? What time is the, the trial? And he goes, Tuesday at 10 o'clock. Right. <laughs> I like It was that. good. I wrote that down. That was really funny. <laughs> so that was great. Um, Alan is trying to put the moves on Denise because she says she's horny. So they, they've since played, Daniel since died. Daniel died, Michael J. Fox, 
Uh, so we see a lot of him trying very hard to seduce her in the office. But it was such an interesting seduction. Oh, I good. thought that yeah. he was saying, I see your inner bad girl. Yeah. And, and, and trying to, to play that card with her. Yeah, and, and she was clearly responding to yes, it. But, but yes. she just kept pushing him away. So who knows? Something may happen with that. And then we also got to see um, there this tension, tension, this conflict between Sam and Sideburns and Brad, which culminated in a, a fist fight in the men's room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, neither of them had their dicks out, so it wasn't that interesting. It wasn't that interesting. Although the, the part I enjoyed was when Paul came in and caught them. But to me, the funny part was that Paul walks into the men's room carrying a newspaper. <laughs> yeah. So he's obviously prepared to sit down and just, you know, read, read the paper, the, the paper while, while he... Uh, it's better than talking on the cell, cell phone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's quieter. Yeah, really. All right. That was episode three. Episode number four. I'm, I'm watching how long it's taking us to go through all this. I know, I know. Oh. All right, episode number four continued with Sydney from Melrose Place, so that got resolved. It's not important, so we're not going to tell you what happened. Um, it was also notable because in in um, they didn't have an ex-Star Trek actor on this show, but they did have a Galaxy Quest actor <laughs> on this show. That's right. Which is, you know, just one, That's one Star small Trek. step. I don't care what anybody says. So that was funny. Um, and then the, the big subplot here was uh, that... Denny walked in on Alan and Jerry, who were standing on the balcony, talking. Yes, and, and talking about their friendship yeah, and their case. Yeah, and, and Denny was very hurt by that. Which led to an incredible scene. Oh, it was wonderful. What a good scene. <sighs> and the thing I loved about that scene, so it, it's a scene in which um, Alan comes to talk to Denny to try and fix things, and, and Denny is telling him, you know, you're the only one that I share this with the only one and you're you're the only friend that I have that I can talk like this to and I hope that that I'm the only one that you feel this way about and that's why he feels so betrayed that Alan's getting some kind of friendship from someone else it's kind of like if I did a podcast with somebody exactly you'd be pretty I'd be pretty pissed off I'd have to kill you Um, (laughs) (laughs) couldn't you just kill my other podcasting partner that's true um so it, it was so nice, and then Alan had a nice little speech about how um, people are always saying everybody's their best friends, and it doesn't really mean anything mm-hmm. anymore. But Alan, uh, Denny, really is his best friend, and it was so nice. and And I felt like um, it was a scene that could easily have gone way overboard. It could mm-hmm. have been so maudlin, and it wasn't. Or it could have been extremely silly, and it, and it wasn't. And Bill was really playing a fine line because I think he, at this, I, I really was getting from him that. He was genuinely upset. He was genuinely hurt, um, but but still being overreacting in that way that is symptomatic of the mad cow mm-hmm. a little bit. Like he hasn't got a control of his emotions, and that upsets him too. Mm-hmm. The fact that he is upset upsets him. Yes, he doesn't want to feel that way. He doesn't want to to be all needy, as he, they said several times. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm being needy. So it was just a lot of layering going on in his performance. And I was also watching him when Alan was talking and Spader was kind of looking out the window and just talking and you could see Bill right behind him. And he was doing such a good job of listening. Mm -hmm. I mean, just standing there acting while he was listening. He wasn't saying anything. He was hardly even moving, but he was still acting. It was great. That was really, really good. So the one other really interesting thing was in Alan's pursuit of Denise, um, Oh, this was also the one where Shirley got kidnapped and then she wasn't anymore. She was rescued. She was rescued. Thanks to Alan, yeah. which was a very cool which was thing. Good. Um, so he's standing there talking to Denise and doing the whole, I see the Catholic school girl in you. And just as he's saying to her, I look at you, Denise, and I see, 
And then Shirley walked in and he says, Shirley. And I thought, oh, that's so cool that they're doing that. And I realized one of the reasons he's attracted to Denise is because she is almost like a younger version of Shirley. If he can't have Shirley, then he'll have her, you know, Mm 30-year younger version who's not quite as smart and not quite as cool. But if that's all he can have, then that's what he's going to go for. That was really nice. And especially when he ended the scene by... Yeah, saying the same thing to Shirley. Using the same line on Shirley. And, of course, she sees right through it. She says, oh, Alan, get a life. Yeah. (laughs) That was great. So did you want to talk about the, the how Alan saved the day? Because that was just a funny piece of script writing. Well, there. here's the thing. When I watched it the first time and watched the whole thing, what was making me um, a bit incredulous was this was going on all day in the law firm. Oh, mm-hmm. that Lincoln's got Shirley, but we can't prove it, and the cops can't act, and, blah, 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 and that neither Alan nor Denny knew this was going on right, was right. striking me as very odd. Mm-hmm. But the payoff to that was that when they told... Alan, mm-hmm. this had happened. He said, well, why don't the cops just go get her? Well, they can't get a warrant just based on, on our suspicion. They have no proof. And he goes, well, Lincoln called me and told me he was holding Shirley. And Paul went, he did? And he goes, yes, I'll go have that phone call right now, and you'll have your warrant in a matter of minutes. You know, <laughs> It was great. And, but the best was watching it with you, because when he said, well, Lincoln called me and told me he had Shirley, you went, is that true? <laughs> you were like the perfect audience at that point. <laughs> It was great. It was so great. And everybody there, all the actors, so it was all the actors with the exception of Bill in the room, and they'll look at him with this look on their face like, oh? (laughs) It was great. It was really, really good. So that was a really nice episode. Okay. (sighs) Number five. Deep breath. Oh, my God. Um, This... Actually, you know, this was a good episode because they had, at this point, they had closed a lot of the other plot lines, and this mm-hmm. was sort of starting fresh, which was nice, because we didn't have to worry about Sydney from Melrose Place or Lincoln or any of those other people. That was all over with. So, there were two main cases here, um, and they one involved Alan and one involved Denny, so they were both working. Um, one, the one Which that, was good, because we had watched the whole episode, yeah, neither yeah. of us had seen it. And it was a good episode. It was, There was a lot yes, of good writing yes. in it. It was the Christmas episode, too. And this is the one that Michelle Forbes was in, so that was good. Um, so Alan um, <laughs> begins the episode by um, coming on to Shirley once again and saying that he expects to, he said something really filthy to her about kissing her under the mistletoe, but it was much more detailed than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, they put that on television? It was a real filthy Christmas metaphor. Yes, it was. It was. Um, and she gives him a case uh, in which he has to um, defend uh, uh, parents of these twin girls, uh, and it's a custody case, and the the wife's sister wants to take the kids away from them because they're white supremacists. Right, but she doesn't tell Alan that. Right, she just says, here's a case for you. Because she, she tells him, basically, that the kids are country western singers mm-hmm. and the aunt feels this is no way to raise kids. Right, right, exactly. And it, um, clearly is giving this to him because it's a hard case and because she wants to see him flounder around. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> when finally he confronts her and says, you didn't tell me that they were white supremacists. She says, didn't I? That doesn't seem fair. <laughs> <laughs> but also when she gives him the case, they make a bet. They make a bet uh, that if, um, what what's the terms of the bet? If he wins, wins. Shirley will wear a bunny outfit uh-huh. to the Christmas party. And if he loses... He will wear. Right. And what Alan has in mind, of course, is a Playboy Bunny outfit. So, uh, and that's sort of the the little joke that keeps running through this, Mm -hmm. is that 
he, he really wants to see her in a bunny outfit. The other case was um, around a waitress at the restaurant that they eat at who um, her daughter wants to be um, emancipated before she's 18, so legally emancipated from her mother, and it's because she um, believes that being anorexic is okay, and her mother disagrees with her, so mm -hmm. she wants to be out there on her own, being all anorexic and having a heart attack when she's 20 and dying. So that's the case that Danny takes. And then there was a, a, a minor case, which I, I wanted to talk about a little bit, a woman who wants to sue somebody, um, God, maybe, because her husband was struck by lightning and they don't know what to do with this. And that was the catalyst for another fist fight between Brad and, and Sam and Sideburns, which was, it got a little pointless toward the end mm -hmm. there. So I hope that they just drop that. Yeah, but, you know, I got a feeling they're not going to, because if you remember at the, the scene where they met with the cell phone company, mm -hmm. and their hatred of each other really played it well did. and totally sort of bowled the cell phone mm -hmm. people over, and I think everybody saw, certainly mm -hmm. Denise, who was in the room, saw it, but then Paul became aware of it, too, mm -hmm. that this is a dynamic that effective. can be made to work. Yeah, it's so. just, I'm, I'm annoyed seeing them having fist fights yeah. so much, because yeah. that would never happen. Well, <laughs> I'm, I was really hoping Lincoln was going to kill Sam and Sideburns, and I still want him to go away. I do not find that an interesting character. No, not really. No. No, so hopefully that'll happen. Um, okay, so one interesting sidelight, we were talking about this the other day when you came by my work, um, this particular plot line about these two little blonde girls who sing these incredibly horrible racist songs is that it was based on a real life story that happened in the hometown of my, my geek friend Logan, the Wonder Boy, and he was just telling us about it that this really was true, that there are these twin girls who were very good singers, and they were completely horribly racist, raised by the same sorts of parents, and um, their hate speech got them into a whole lot of trouble, and people were wondering whether they should be expelled from school, and, and all sorts of things like that. And, you know, they weren't. They're still there, but the whole it really unsettled the whole community, mm -hmm. because that's the kind of thing that people tolerate if you're not loud about it, but when yeah. you start getting in people's faces, then it's not okay anymore. Well, and he showed me the Wikipedia entry on them, yeah. and, I, and, and it had some of their song lyrics, and I, you know, my eyes were just just popping open. Yeah, yeah. It's really scary. So that was kind of weird. Uh, so they have the case, and of course, the the sister of the wife doesn't really have any grounds. For, no, she for, doesn't. Yeah, so they go through all of the reasons why it's bad, and there just is no basis for removing the kids from their parents. Well, and I thought in that way, this was a really valid point, and I'm glad yeah. it was made up, or that it was brought up, that um, much as, as Alan hates the whole racist thing, that, that he, he defends that they are a family, and um, the, the, the parents are not doing anything that's actionable mm -hmm. as far as taking the kids away, but it's this whole idea that I think we've all lost sight of, that the idea of having freedom of speech mm -hmm. means sometimes people are going to say things that you don't like mm -hmm. and that upset you deeply, mm -hmm. but you can't make it illegal for them to say That's that. That's right, right? You can't. And, you know, certainly, as I said, looking at that Wikipedia entry and reading those lyrics, I mean, that that was upsetting, but still... Yeah, you can criticize it. Yeah, you can say, you can say I don't, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. And I could certainly write my own little songs about why I don't agree with right. it, and they wouldn't have any right to shut me up. That's either. right. You can't make it illegal. 
So, so that was, I think, predictable in a way. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think there was really any case there, but it was interesting to see him having to argue on behalf of people that he really didn't like. And you were saying, and I agree, that one of the funniest parts is because he has to mask his distaste for them as much as possible mm-hmm. when they're getting when they're arguing with him some more. And um, he really wants them out of the office. He says something like, "Well, it's been fun spending time with you, show people." Yeah. <laughs> really good and then there was another fourth fourth wall breaking when um shirley comes up to ask him something and he says um um i, I have to go prepare my politically biased but compelling closing argument yes <laughs> <laughs> so that was nice that was really funny yeah um and then in over in the other side of the office in denny's case alan actually has to come in to save the day because denny was not really doing what he was supposed to do um so it ended up that the court, the case went away and there was some sort of reconciliation between the girl and her mother, although mm-hmm. we didn't really see that. And at the very... We didn't see the reconciliation, which I thought was interesting because yeah. I thought, okay, so you've, you've forced the issue to the point where, it, you know, there could be legal action against mm-hmm. the girl if she left home because, you know, of all the stuff she's got on her website. But still, that does not mean this mother's going to have any more That's control right. over the daughter or that they're going to have any better chance of communicating. Mm-hmm. Yep. So totally. I thought it was realistic that it was just sort of left there, like, okay, this case is over, but none of those problems are solved. No, not at all. And um, at the end, we find out that um, Denny knew. He found mm-hmm. out that Alan had tricked him on this one. But he wasn't too upset about it, strangely enough. Yeah. Maybe it was because it was Christmas. So... Excuse me, the last scene... Oh, oh, the the other quick subplot was that a couple of episodes ago, like eight episodes ago, there had been the plot about um, the guy named Clarence who was cross-dressing as Clarice, mm-hmm. and that was resolved. And then they brought him back, and as Clarice, he was applying for um, a role as Claire's assistant. A job as Claire's assistant. And she said, yes, but you have to be Clarence and not Clarice. And then we found out that he went to law school and has a degree... Um, and he actually made a significant contribution to the cell phone suing God case thing, um, which proved he was really smart. And At least as smart as us, because we thought of that in the very first scene. Yeah, right. Um, so <laughs> it seems like he's going to be working there and that we'll see him, um, you know, try to get on his feet as a lawyer. So again, taking a very flat mm-hmm. parody type of character and turning him into a real guy, which was yeah. nice. Yep. Very nice. Um, so then, the Christmas party. The Christmas party. And the Christmas party had had so much going on, including a bad extra who was in, like, three scenes. White-haired guy, you know, get out it was, of it. It was Bill DeLia's uncle. Uh, something like that. <laughs> but, um, so Alan sees Shirley, and she is in a bunny costume. Yeah. Literally a bunny, not a playboy bunny. Head-to-toe fur. Yes. With big mittens. And, <laughs> yes. And, um... And he says something to her about, oh, you wouldn't be standing under mistletoe if you didn't want me to kiss you. And she goes, I'm not standing under mistletoe. And all of a sudden, like a boom, like mistletoe comes into the scene. So Alan sweeps her into his arms Uh and bends over backwards and gives her a big kiss. And we see the mistletoe is being held by Denny, Uh who's like, hey. And she's barely on her feet when Denny, you know, grabs her and does the exact same thing. And I... I got to hand it to the writers. They gave her the best line it when she came great. up. She said to him, okay, the slobber you just got came from his mouth. <laughs> and Shatner's like, whoa. <laughs> it was really good. It was really good. Yep. So that was fun. Um, and we got to see, you know, people having their little relationships. And I was, as they were panning around the room at people dancing, like slow dancing, I was thinking, 
Okay, so the people who are slow dancing right now are going to sleep together, either that night or sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, Bella Delta Burke was there, and she and Denny ended up dancing together, and Alan ended up dancing with Shirley, and um, Denise was dancing with Brad, so we can figure they'll probably be banging again. Mm-hmm. And then the very sad thing that happened was that Bethany showed up with a present um, for Denny and came in and saw them dancing and just sort of stood there and then decided to leave. And, and they, they didn't yeah. see her. No, that yeah. was sad. That was sad. Um, and then there was a nice little scene at the end with... Uh, Denny and Alan on the balcony, again, mm-hmm. just kind of reviewing everything that had happened. And talking about... And saying we had our first threesome. That's right. <laughs> and and Denny rinsing his mouth out with scotch yeah. again. <laughs> and Alan going, we finally exchanged bodily, bodily fluids. That was good. <laughs> that was really good. So that was where they left it. And didn't you say there were repeats for a little while? Yeah, well, I don't know if they're repeats or preamps or whatever, but I don't believe it comes back on again now till January. Okay. So there you go. You are up to date on all the Boston League movies. <sighs> so are we. That's 40 minutes. 40 minutes it took us to talk about Oh, my that. God. <laughs> I hope it was entertaining and informative. I hope so. Well, now you don't have to watch the episode. But you should because there was some really good acting. And there, there's Bill. Well, wait. I want to talk a little bit more. Um, two nights ago, whatever, I was at my husband's office Christmas mm-hmm. party. And... Um, it was nowhere near as exciting as Boston Legals. There was no one in a bunny costume, anything like that. But um, one of his coworkers knows that we have this podcast. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I was just sitting alone while my husband had snuck off to bang some other woman. Who knows? <laughs> and he came up to me and he goes, I bet you'd be having more fun if William Shatner was here. And I thought, well, you know, what wouldn't be made better by having William Shatner there? Even if he was... Setting himself on fire with a, a fried turkey, you know. I mean, yeah. Oh, definitely. Imagine if we had him here while we were doing these podcasts. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we'd be doing podcasts. We'd be so busy with other things. Other things. Yes. It's true. It's very true. Okay, we're going to take a break and get some food. I'm starving. I'm starving, too. I know. We've been watching TV, no kidding, for like three hours. Oh, <laughs> my brain hurts. Oh, are we going to do another segment of the show, or is this it? It's like 45 minutes now. we got to watch Show Me the Money. Oh, okay. So we're going to eat, we're going to watch Show Me the Money, and that's going to be it for this episode. And then we'll, we have other things. We'll, share you, to, we'll, we'll spare you the eating. Okay. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Talk to us. You know you want to. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. This entire podcast recorded on an Apple PowerBook with GarageBand. This is TSFPN.com, the sci-fi podcast network. you found the best podcasts in the universe. Cue the music.
listeners, um, the moment you've all been waiting for after all that Boston Legal, we're going to review Bill's game show, Show Me the Money. And the really interesting thing about this review is that, A, we're doing it on Skype, um, and B, we're reviewing a show that's just been canceled. Not only has it been canceled, it's been slammed. (laughs) Because they'd shown like three or four episodes, and they announced, we're going to order six more. Hooray, hooray. Two or three days later, they say, no, forget it. We're not even showing the the other two or three we've (laughs) still got. It's over. Forget it. So, you know what? What? I think this sets a new record for Bill's shows being canceled. (laughs) This one got canceled in less, fewer episodes than I think any other show he's had. I I think you're probably right. And what I want to know is when a show, when a game show gets canceled and they haven't aired the other episodes, do those people still get to keep that money? No, they don't. They don't? Are you serious? No, because I went to do a little research to see, you know, what it took to become a, a contestant i went and read the application form and there's this whole thing that says if uh if they don't air your segment you don't get the money (gasps) that's horrible isn't it oh imagine being on the show and going through all that and then not getting to keep the money yeah oh i feel so bad for those people that really sucks oh man what a rip (laughs) (laughs) i'd be pissed off well, maybe people will sue, and that will be fun. Oh, yeah. Because Denny Crane will show them he means business. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally pissed off on their behalf. I was actually okay. asking that sort of as a rhetorical <laughs> question, but I'm shocked. No, nope, I had the answer. I'm totally shocked. All right. So I just watched um, this special preview thing or the first show or whatever, which ended up being an hour and a half. It was longer than I thought. <clears throat> and uh, they had two contestants on this. One guy who took up a whole hour, and then the second guy who only took up the the last half hour of it because he got canned, like, halfway through. Um, And my first impression of this show is that it's too complicated. (laughs) As game shows go, I was trying to follow all the stuff about how you have to pick a category and then you, you pick a question and then you get to pass but you only get two passes and then you have to pick a, a girl a, a dancer with the answer and then you have to get six across or something i was like wait it's too complicated i couldn't figure it out wait you know what i didn't think it was that complicated <laughs> Okay, so it's just me. <laughs> it's just you. Okay. <laughs> but here's the other thing is since the show's been canceled, I've been watching a lot of commentary, people saying, this sucked. This was so awful. It was such a bad game show. And granted, I am sort of prejudiced in Bill's favor. But i got to say, the only game show I really watch is Jeopardy. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, take that into consideration. But I've seen about 20 minutes of Deal or No Deal. Uh-huh. And when I was watching it, I was going, at what point does skill come into this? Because all you do is open suitcases. And then a guy calls you up and says, do you want this money? And you say yes or no. And then you open more suitcases. And I liked Bill's show simply because you had to answer questions. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I liked all those little uh, layers of complication that they had on it. I thought that was pretty good. Oh. Well, I... Probably if I watched it more than once, I would understand it better. But it seemed like a lot of rules to be throwing out all at once right at the beginning of the game. And I have to say, Bill handled all that stuff, like the exposition, pretty well. You know, he was doing a good job staying on top of things and emphasizing when the players uh, 
you know, could only pass twice and making sure mm-hmm. that they were locked in on their answers, as he said every single time. Gotta, well, that's because they, he can't say, is that your final answer? Because that's <laughs> Regis's line. But oh, So I thought Bill was good. Um, so I was taking some notes as I was watching it. Oh, good. And um, one thing I did notice was right at the top of the show, they introduced him as the legendary William Shatner, which I really liked. That was good. Um, yes. And then... Um, that later they said the one and the only William Shatner, which also was good. So, you know, whenever they say stuff like that, I, I approve. Now, we had been mentioning um, before that there are 13 dancers on the show, and we're pretty sure that he did all of them. Yep. And I guess my question is, do you think he did them as part of their audition for the show, or was it after they were selected for the show? What do you think? Hmm... I don't think he did them as part of the audition, but I think they had Bill review the audition tapes and say, which ones do you want to do? And he said all of them. He said, I'll take those 13. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Okay. So based, yeah. based on Bill's opinion of the dancers. Those yeah. Like they, they narrowed it down to 30 or something. <laughs> well, that's good. And um, then he got to do them. And I wonder if he did them all individually or sort of in groups. What do you think? Uh, uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. That would that would be Bill like. <laughs> I don't even know what you call it when you have fourteen people at once doing it. I mean a menage uh, what is it? Catrose or something like that, you know. Um I, I know Menage Game Show. Menage Game Show. Menage Bill. <laughs> Of course. It's like the, the, the Bill push-ups, yeah, you know, it's yeah. this special brand of push-up, this special type of menage. Exactly, menage a Bill. I like that. It sounds like a drink or perhaps a flaming dessert. <gasps> a drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also noticed that the people who were in the studio audience were exceptionally well-dressed, which struck me as Well, a that's odd. also in the rules, is what you have to wear to be in the audience. Oh, really? Like, what does it say? Yes. <laughs> They've probably this. taken this down because you would get a huge kick out of it. Yeah, you had to wear kind of like business dress. Some of the women had on like cocktail dresses. They looked all dressed well, up. Yeah, they didn't want casual. Wow, that's so interesting. Okay. Um, one thing I didn't really like was his hair. I thought it looked too puffy. Oh. Like they had, because when he's on Boston Legal, you know, we've commented that his hair looks really good. And here it seemed like not that he had more hair, it's just that they puffed it up. <laughs> You know, they like put a lot of hairspray in it or gave him the uh-huh. dry look or I don't know. They back home. A lot of moose. A lot of moose. It just looked weird. It looked more artificial because it was puffy, mm. which I didn't really like. Um, and then another thing I also I noticed about um, the show in general was that clearly they do a lot of editing after oh, it, yeah. it was all filmed. And in the beginning, it was really not very good editing because the audience was clearly <laughs> reacting to things that weren't happening on the screen. So that made it a little strange to watch. Um, Okay. So let's talk about the first contestant guy because um, clearly they had to choose someone completely over the top to be their first contestant. Well, that's part of it is they're going for that type of contestant. Yeah. And and when I tell you about the contestant I saw, you're going to freak, but go ahead. (laughs) So this first guy um, was from – Oh, I forget what state. He was from a southern state, and he had a very strong accent and a lisp, um, and he was extremely gay. And um, I don't say that in a, a 
a judgmental way. I say that as like they were pretty much talking about it on the show without, <laughs> I know. without actually using the word gay. I noticed that they mm-hmm. did not ever say that, but um, I, yeah, that was pretty weird. And even Bill seemed amazed at this guy's enthusiasm, the way he was screaming and jumping up and down and and dancing and crawling on the floor. It was like, <laughs> he was he was pretty crazy. So I guess when they have audition, when they had auditions for the show, they just selected um, the people who were insane, I think. Yes. For yeah. the contestants. Yep. Um, but I, I was really pleased to see that um, Bill, like he was on $20,000 Pyramid, really, really wanted to see the contestants win and seemed mm-hmm. really happy when somebody got a right answer as opposed to when they got a wrong answer. So it, it, it's good to see him... Um, not being kind of the impartial uh, game show host, the way like mm-hmm. you know Alex is on Jeopardy, but really engaged and really rooting for them to come through and um, you know take well, home he's all Bill. the money. Yeah, well, he's Bill. He's there. He's there for them. <laughs> and um, I thought the questions were like a really weird mix of uh, pop culture stuff that I had no idea what it was, and some actual Jeopardy like historical questions. That I, right. most, I mostly knew the answers to, like which president didn't have a college education, um, and and then just sort of random questions about uh, film titles and song titles, and uh, it was like one of the the categories was like um, things that shared the same title, and some of them were songs and some of them were movies. It was just a really odd collection of questions, and I. It didn't matter if you were really smart because you could be really smart, but yet not know some of the more obscure pop culture references. Well, and I think they they structured it that way because the whole thing was you had to get six right answers or six wrong answers and you're out of there. And they didn't want somebody to go straight through six right answers, ta-da, they've won, Mm -hmm. or go straight through six (laughs) wrong answers and you're out of there. You know, the the whole thing is, is building the drama. Yeah. So um, the first guy, the, the, the very nice southern gay man, um, I, I thought they did a good job, however they do this, of structuring it like, you know, he, he did really well at first, and then he lost some, and then he won some, and then he lost some, and then he ended up winning at the end. Right. So he, and he took home quite a bit of money, too. Wasn't it like over $500,000? I believe it was. Now, I'll tell you the moment I, I enjoyed the most when, uh, when that particular contestant was on. Was he had earlier said something about his favorite performer in the oh, whole yes. world was Shania Twain. Yes, that was good. And then he gave a wrong answer where the right answer was Shania Twain. Uh-huh. And he says, well, I feel like I just cheated on my wife. <laughs> there was this pause. And then Bill said, I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> and all I could think was, because Bill has cheated on his wife with Shania Twain. I'm sure of that. Of course he has. Of course um, he has. The other part that I liked about that particular moment was when Bill revealed that Shania Twain was, in fact, the answer. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he said to the guy, I wish I could remember his name. I think it was Matt or something. He's saying, come closer, come closer, come closer, until they were literally <laughs> just inches apart. And I was thinking, wow, what it must be like to be so close to Bill with him <laughs> staring at you so intently like that. <laughs> so that was good. Okay, so the contestant I saw, uh-huh. which was um, the first contestant on what turned out to be the final show, <laughs> was this gorgeous blonde Ooh. 
on roller skates. Really? <laughs> yep. And she skated up and, you know, circled around. And, and Bill said, so you're going to do this whole thing on roller skates? And she goes, yes, I feel more confident. So did he do and her she on the was, show? She, she, on roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> On greased up roller Roller skate. Um, She was gorgeous. And I I just had to admire Bill that, you know, he was managing to to focus on the game and get through the questions and everything else. And she got her first question right. And I thought, oh, she's really going to go to town and win the grand prize. And then she got everything wrong and and ended up, uh, you know, that was the end of her. She was sent away. But uh, the, the thing I really liked about uh, this particular segment is um, the dancers. Uh-huh. I don't know if you noticed this when you saw it. The color of the dresses they wear, they wear matches Bill's best. Yes, I noticed that. So for, for the first one, um, it was red. Okay. This one, it was gold. Ooh. And Bill looked fantastic. It sort of was a little bit like Mirror Mirror, huh? Yes. <laughs> yes, it was the Mirror Mirror game show. With a girl on roller skates. Oh, my goodness. A girl on roller skates. <laughs> and then when they came back after the break for the next contestant, they had switched to the red, which just wasn't as good on him. I think you're right. Now, in the beginning of it, um, when they're showing clips, they also show purple. And I thought he looked pretty good in purple. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it was just right at the beginning. So that, that was Oh, the cool. gold was fantastic. And, you know, he looked to me, too. Um, well, let's see. I recently saw him on a, a, a talk show. Oh, yeah, he was on Ellen, uh-huh. and it was the lamest appearance ever. First of all, you don't have Bill on, and you have him on for one four-minute segment where he pretty much does his shill, uh-huh. and then you get then you get rid of him. Or he, he told the kidney stone story again, which I'm more tired of now than the bicycle story. <laughs> but he looked like he'd lost a little weight. Oh, he, he looked pretty good on, on the, the first thing with the, the, the red. The Craig Ferguson? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, he looked good. I mean, we we noticed that when we were watching Craig Ferguson, that even though he was wearing one of his artist smocks, he did look like he was a little bit thinner. Mm -hmm. Well, he was wearing a a suit. Yeah, on the game show was when he was wearing the suit, I guess. And and he looked good. Mm -hmm. He does look good. Um, Speaking of Bill Schilling, I noticed that at the very end of the show, as they're signing off, of course, he had to mention Boston Legal. like, they couldn't get out of the show without him sticking Boston Legal in there somewhere. Well, he's Bill. He's Bill. He had to do it. Um, and speaking of Bill Shills, yes. he's got a new show coming up. <laughs> Another one? A new thing for him to be the spokes bill for. For what? What is it? Timeshares. No way. Yes. Like, is this going to be on television or what? I don't know. I don't know. It was like one sentence in something I read. Wow. I wonder how many timeshares they gave him to get him to do that. I don't know. (laughs) They probably gave him a week in Versailles or something. (laughs) That would be about his speed. Um, Let me just tell you about the other contestant that they had on the one that I saw of Show Me the Money. Oh, okay. So um, he was a Navy guy, and he looked like Alex Baldwin. Really? And he was so obnoxious. I was really glad that he lost because he he was like an actor. He was so going over the top. Even Bill told him, well, didn't tell him, but motioned for him to shut up. <laughs> because every time he didn't know an answer, he was talking to himself and going, 
uh, yeah, the name of that actor in that movie. I know I saw that movie. I'm in the Navy a lot, so I go to see a lot of movies. I know it was a movie with Russell Crowe. I know that <laughs> Russell Crowe played this guy. And Bill just kind of looked at him and drew his finger across his lips like, zip it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. I appreciated that. But, man, he was so annoying. But Bill did get in a really good line. And I don't know whether this was scripted or he just said this because you never know what, what they're saying right. or not. Um it, it was this question about the character that Russell Crowe had played in um, A Beautiful Mind. He couldn't remember the mm-hmm. name of the character. And he kept doing this thing about Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe knows Russell Crowe. But that's not the name of the character. And Bill said, you can't confuse the role with the actor. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. And he didn't, he just said it like he was offering advice or something. It was so funny. I just, I just kind of spit on my microphone. <laughs> So from now on, I'm going to sound kind of wet. Okay, that's all right. But anyhow, that was just so weird that he came out with this this gem, this this fortune cookie in the middle of. That's really, that's really good. So we should remember that. That's a good quote from Bill. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then at the end, when he did show for Boston Legal, he said, "And don't forget to watch Boston Legal. You know, Tuesday nights at ten. All the kids are doing it." So who knows whether that was an ad lib or whether the scriptwriters gave it to him. I think that sounds like a, a Bill ad lib. <laughs> um, so I will say one thing. Um, Bill does not look particularly graceful when he dances. No, and he uh, said somewhere he, he loves to dance, but he dances the way he sings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it- I will tell you, though, at one point with the roller skate chick. Uh-huh. He, he, like, took her hand, so it was sort of like they were dancing together. Mm-hmm. And he looked good then. Oh, he probably looks good when he's doing, like, dancing cheek to cheek. But when he's just sort of trying to groove, I, yeah. I, I don't think he would do very well there. No, no. <laughs> um, so, so farewell, show me the money. We hardly knew you. You were only here for two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but we managed to review it. We managed to review it because now no one will ever see those episodes again unless it's on YouTube or they come to my house and watch the tape that I made. Or maybe they'll show them during the summer. Or I know where they'll be, Game Show Network. Do you think so? I thought they only did. Everything them. ends up on Game Show Network. Oh, but there's only six episodes. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Well, it'll be out there somewhere. People will watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that was that. Now, you wanted me to remind you about the Mugatu? Yes. What about the Mugatu? Well, it's just sort of a, a Star Trek reference that should not have surprised me. But I was, you know, sort of channel surfing, and I ended up watching this uh, movie I'd never seen before, which was actually kind of funny. Um, Zoolander. Oh, yeah, Zoolander's a great movie. The the Ben Stiller movie? Uh-huh, uh-huh. The, the name of the evil fashion designer is Mugatu. <laughs> I forgot. Ben Stiller is a huge Star Trek fan, so that doesn't I know, really surprise me. I know. Me. And you know what else I've been thinking? They're showing the commercials right now for um, this movie he has coming out called Night at the Museum. Yeah, yeah. I've Have seen, you seen the commercials? I've seen the commercials, yes. Okay, and the Teddy Roosevelt is being played by Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I'm pretty sure that if Ben Stiller wrote this movie, he wrote that role with Bill in <gasps> Ooh. But then he couldn't get him because... Wow. Bill's so big now. He He's busy shilling for timeshares. It's true. I um I heard that they filmed that movie like a year ago, and it's been, really yeah. There was some problem with the special effects, and they couldn't release it until now. So mm. it's been around for a while. That's a really interesting thing, though. Hmm, I wonder if we'll read that. Maybe we could ask Ben Stiller the next time we see him. 
Right, yeah. He's he's coming over to my house for Christmas, so because you know he's Jewish, he's really got nothing else to do. So, and we're gonna tone down the whole Christmas thing just for just, him. Just for him, okay. That's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness! So I think that's gonna wrap up this particular episode. I think so. Yeah. So that has <clears throat> been enough Boston Legal and enough Show Me the Money and enough everything for you guys. Um, I hope you're well satisfied with it. And <laughs> the um, the next show will be a, a sort of special Christmassy thing with mostly about you. You are wonderful listeners. That's right. Uh, okay, is that it? Are we gonna are we gonna call this a wrap? Are we gonna say um, listen to Look at His Butt because all the kids are doing it? Well, they are. <laughs> hey, did you know this? I don't know. I was chosen Time Magazine's Person of the Year. <gasps> Were you really? Wow. Yes. Congratulations. I'm on the cover. Oh, that's so awesome. It was amazing. Oh, well, that's something else to celebrate and a good Christmas present for you. Yes. <laughs> okay, listeners, till next time. Bye.